When I think back to my, my year and a half in Los Angeles, it's me on a bicycle with a portfolio going to every agency and have them telling me these are horrible. I was very, very, very shy back then, very thin skin, and I'd go in there shaking and then people, sometimes not even creative people would look at your book, would just go horrible, bad, horrible, bad. I'm Shreen Patek, and this is Starting Out. Digiday's podcast where I take the personal route with the movers and shakers in the marketing industry to find out their stories, how they became the leaders they are today, and what's their special power that makes their craft so remarkable. On today's episode, Jerry Graff is the Chief Creative Officer and founder at creative agency Barton F. Graff. He spent time at nearly every major creative shop out there, from Goodby to BBDO to Saatchi and Saatchi, and he's the man behind some of the weirdest, funniest, and most touching work out there. Jerry is a creative's creative, a mellow boss, or so he likes to think, whose face tells you exactly what he's feeling, which can be hard in advertising, where rejection is a fact of life. That's what's marked Jerry's career. My chest just tightened up, and I went back to uh, high school when I asked Pam Andrellis to the to the prom, and she said, no, I'm going with Steve Champagne. I was like, mm. oh. oh, Steve Champagne. <laughs> well, cool name. Cool name. You want to go with Jerry Graff or Steve Champagne? That was his name. <laughs> it's in his name. Yeah. You know, he can get, yeah. you, he can get your drinks later. <laughs> you automatically visualize a limo, you know? Of course. With Jerry Graff, what do you visualize? Truck, a truck, pickup truck, still cool. You know? so or actually, cool with Jerry Graff, it's it's it, Jerry's dad driving you, and you're just sitting in the back, hoping Which... the catalytic converter doesn't go off, and it smells like eggs. Okay, other than that rejection, tell me, tell me about sort of what the word rejection means. It just reminds me of being a creative person, and um, that's ninety percent of your life is rejection. So let's talk advertising. You know, I always say Tarantino wrote. Um, Pulp Fiction with somebody else. You know, it wasn't just him. You need that back and forth. So it's always a team most of the time. So you get an assignment and you go off on your own. You write down two, three, four, five, six pages of stuff if if you're going in a notebook. And you personally kill at least half of all the ideas that you come up with, right? That's just how it works. So you've rejected half of your ideas. And you're the rejector. So that's how it starts. Then you go and sit down for a couple of days or hopefully a week or two with your partner. Now you have the ones you think are good, right? And you start throwing them back and forth. And if you're good, 90% of those are going to be rejected. I'll throw you an idea. You'll go, yeah, let's keep going. Usually how it goes. I'm, I'm rejecting their stuff, you know. They are rejecting my stuff. And it's just rejection, rejection, rejection. And maybe, again, if you're, if you're good and you're hard on yourself, one out of ten you write down. So maybe you get two ideas you like in a day. And in advertising, you, you, know, you usually go to a creative director. So you've rejected on your own. You've rejected your partner's stuff. They have rejected your stuff. And now you have the stuff you guys think are good. And if, again, if they're a good creative director, right, and you come in with five, six, seven ideas, that creative director is going to reject at least half, right? So you go in with six and now you got three. And that's their job. That's what they are, should be doing. Yeah. 
just looking and looking and looking and looking and looking. Where's the idea? Where's the idea? And just back and forth. And no, 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 no. All you're hearing is no, right? And okay, let's say you make it through uh, that whole process and you have three ideas. So let's say you're going with three to the client, okay? The rejector in chief. <laughs> now, your job is to create. Sometimes it feels like the client's job is to reject, you know? Um, I heard someone say that it's easy and safe to say no to something. It's hard to say, you know, I agree. Yes, let's do that. Which is why when you're, you're going to the people who are giving you the money to do it, it's mostly rejection again. So if you sell something, quote unquote, sell something, that's like, hey, we sold something. One, because you might go make it. Maybe not, but you might go make it. But mostly because you're you're expecting everything to get killed, you know. Or maybe they'll go. Well, you might have one thing. So anyway, you go with three ideas. A great meeting is they would like one out of the three. So sometimes you have to go back and start the whole process over. And I'm a Truffaut fan, so 400 blows is one of my favorite things. So I call it I call it the 400 nos, you know, in, in, in one 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 project, right? The job you're paid money to do, because you supposedly are better than anybody else at it coming up with ideas, you have failed or someone else has told you you have failed or rejected you, uh, it feels like about 400 times. So that's that's the life of a creative person. I mean, tell me a little bit about sort of your first few jobs in advertising or in create creative industry, sort of just being a creator. That rejection, I think, was it harder when you were younger because it felt personal, felt more personal? I, younger people tend to be more convinced of their own brilliance. I was not convinced of my own brilliance. I had to develop <laughs> my conviction of my own brilliance over time. I remember I, I kept a journal um, when I worked at Goodby Silverstein in San Francisco. And um, the third page, it, it says... Oh my God, I just sat in a room with Rich Silverstein. It was my dream, right? Uh, and then I flipped through like seven months down down through the journal and, the, and I found this entry that says, that old hack doesn't know <laughs> what he's talking about, you know? So you, I know I developed this sense, you know, if you are hard on yourself, if you can tell yourself, yes, I... I I looked through all the research and I looked everywhere. And these, if you put the work in, I, I actually developed uh, this sense, whether it was good or bad, but I think it's worked out where if you, reject, if you rejected my idea, I just thought you were an idiot. But now you have all this experience and you've learned better, but some things still remain the same. Sometimes clients still don't like everything you present, right? What is the Venn diagram though, sort of as you see it between... Things that, again, you just, agencies, creators just have to do because not every client is going to take a really fun, wacky, creative, different concept. Some of them want the basics. Some of them want the thing that's not going to make any creative's heart kind of beat faster and do something else. And then how much does that intersect with kind of the things you're seeing in the DNA's, things you're seeing in the, in the one show? Well, um, you know, the, the, we just had the Super Bowl, right? Um, and I remember I've worked on a lot of Super Bowl projects, and 
somebody always says, this is the Super Bowl, this has to be great. Which implies that the rest of the year, it doesn't have to be great. And that never made any sense to me. I said, why shouldn't you constantly trying to try to do something great? Now, great can be um, something crazy and breakthrough and wacky. Great can be the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Great can be something that makes you laugh and, you know, immediately share with your friend. Great can be something that makes you cry. Great can just be the smartest thing you've ever seen. So why aren't you always trying to do something great? A lot of agencies or create whatever, any place you work to create things, I would say the majority of the time, um, they're like, don't push it. You know, we want to sell stuff. We want their money. We don't want to scare them. You know, just just basically many, many times at many agencies, because I've been in a lot, give them what they want and stop stop trying so hard. And when I started my agency seven years ago, you know, we the attempt is on every assignment, find where you can make it great. And you you, you got tough skin and you know um, when to start fighting and rejecting a rejection, right? I hope you're enjoying the podcast. After this break, Jerry will talk about what he found out about advertising at his first gig and finding the confidence in his creativity. Right now, a quick break to tell you about Digiday Plus. Digiday Plus is our premium membership product. Join our community to get a firsthand look at how digital is transforming the world of media. You'll get Digiday Magazine, exclusive research, and invitations to exclusive member-only events. And it's only $3.95 a year. Please sign up at digiday.com. And for you, our podcast listeners, we have a discount offer. To get 25% off your subscription, enter the code starting out at checkout. Now, back to the episode. What does it take to be that great? How do you know what's great and how to get there? You know, talent has a lot to do with it. Most great ideas simply come from hard work. I was a stockbroker when I got out of school. I moved to Los Angeles with my girlfriend, who's my wife now. She actually informed me, we were in Boston, she's like, I'm moving to LA. And I'm like, oh, I'm coming with you. And I could tell in her eyes, she that wasn't part of the plan, but she's like, oh, okay, okay. I wanted to do something with writing. So actually when I moved to LA, I, I actually had bigger dreams of, and I, I wrote a Simpsons spec script and stuff, and I didn't even get in front of anybody to get rejected. <laughs> it was silent rejection. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm very thin-skinned back then, so I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that. I didn't uh, really know what advertising was. And then a friend of mine, I'm in my early 20s at this time, a friend of mine who went to BU, Boston University, told me what advertising was. I'm like, oh, this sounds cool. I can do that. So I started writing ads. I, I worked on a lot on my own. I you know, had a friend of friend who was in advertising who was kind of telling me what to, what to do. I did find a copywriting night class in Los Angeles. So I had some f- teacher. They were horrible ads. This is was, this was a doozy. It was for um, some kind of stain remover, and it was a print ad. But, right, here we go. So if you can imagine the close-up of uh, a man's like torso, he's got a white shirt on and a tie, and he's holding the cliche Chinese food takeout box with uh, chopsticks, and there's a spot on his tie. You ready? Takeout Thai food, T-I-E. 
That was not good. I was not good. When I think back to my, my year and a half in Los Angeles, it's me on a bicycle with a portfolio going to every agency and have them telling me these are horrible. I was very, very, very shy back then, very thin skin. And I'd go in there shaking and then people, sometimes not even creative people would look at your book, would just go horrible, bad, horrible, bad, right, right to your face, which actually I, in hindsight, I appreciate, you know, um, and for whatever reason, I really, really, really wanted to be a writer and I wanted to be a writer in advertising. So all my fear and, you know, self-consciousness and everything I just threw away and I would actually ask them, please be specific. Why? is this ad horrible? You know, because I wanted to learn and I would take it. And, you know, my, my chest is getting tight right now as I speak because I'm, I'm having like emotional flashbacks right now. And they would rip them apart, but I would learn why it was a horrible ad. And I would go back and I would try try something else. At what point do you, or do you feel dejected? Or how do you stop yourself from feeling dejected? Because that's hard. It, it's hard. It's hard. You know, the, the, the people who are successful, the people who you can look back and, and think, wow, all the ideas that they've come up with, they've made wonderful work and stuff like that, don't, don't get dejected. You know, it's, it, you don't get dejected um, internally um, at the agency if the person rejecting you um, rejects it for a, for a good reason, you know. I don't like it because of this. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's an easy rejection. Uh, you start getting dejected when someone just goes, nah, I'm just not feeling it. You know, tell me, you know. It, Give it's, me a reason. It's going to be easier for me to go back and find something if you actually tell me what you want to find. So internally in the agency or whatever uh, whatever company you're creating ideas at, you know, it's it's important to, to always give a reason why. Yeah. Um, but that that's just the gig. And, and people who are successful in, 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 in a job that to create ideas, that, that's just the way it is. What made you say that? What was, what was the thing inside you that said, okay, I'm not going, because a lot of people I think would have said, okay, they hate it. Let me, let me just end this. Let's end this encounter. So I, oh, I'll go back and I'll work on it. But something in you made you say, let's ask why, let's ask what I could do better. Was that, was that just the kind of person you are? Were you always the kind of person that said feedback? Why? Why is this no, happening? No, I would have run away and switched professions. At that moment in my young 20s, like I said, I really wanted, I really enjoyed writing stuff. I really wanted to do it. And I thought, since I was, I was a stockbroker, like I said, making this switch, and there was no confidence in like my family or my girlfriend's family or, or anybody that that was going to happen. And I definitely had, uh, I'm not going to quit on this. They all think I'm going to fail and I am not going to fail. And I will take the daggers to the heart, <laughs> you know, if that's, if that's going to help me. That, that, that really motivated me. There was this thing called the Red Book. I have to go to the library and take the Red Book out. And it has a list of advertising agencies. I called every single one. I didn't know who was who on the list. I didn't know. They were all just names. Acme was just as good as Foot Cone. You know, I didn't know. Like, I remember just, and I did cold calls. Can I come show myself? Can I, and this, I remember calling this one Hispanic agency. They're like, do you speak Spanish? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I speak Spanish. (laughs) don't do you <laughs> no i don't i didn't i didn't even say c you know see <laughs> yeah but i had a lot of motivation um, 
what happened next? Um, I met somebody and he, he said, he showed, he pointed at one ad in my book, creative director. Um, and uh, he's like, he's like, this one is good. And he told me why this one is good. Do more of those. And when you do more of those, call me back. And six months went by. Um, still remember his name, Ken Fitzgerald, um, Lord Densu and Partners. So I went, went away and I did more like that. And I had it more than one. And then he showed the book to his boss. And his boss um, said he knew somebody in New York at a place called Saatchi and Saatchi. Back at Saatchi in, in the early 90s, I you know, was, didn't know what a Saatchi versus a Goodby was. Saatchi in 91 or 92, whenever it was, had this junior intern creative program. Uh, and I got into that. And the rest was history. Yeah, I remember like the excitement of getting doing it, right? I did it. I am in advertising being paid as a writer. But I remember the the joy after a month or two. Um, I was writing Dexatrim, which was a diet pill. It was basically speed radio. And the spokesperson was Deirdre Hall from Days of Our Lives. And that was my job to write Deirdre's lines. And I remember going, wait a second. This is not what I thought advertising was. Just there, there, there wasn't any creativity in it. Is that not just, that's the reality of work, right? I mean, is not 80% of any job going to be things that, oh, this isn't really it, but then that 20% where you're working on, and whichever industry you're in, that's the thing that carries you through. Yeah, I used to cl- complain about my job, and my dad used to say, he's like, shut up, you're getting paid to write. <laughs> it's like, right? But that's, after I'm typing these things, I'm like, there's nothing creative in here. I'm not even writing, I'm basically typing. And then I started going to the award show annuals. I discovered the one show in the DNAD. Um, and I started looking, and I'm like, this is exciting. This is what you want to do. Why doesn't everybody do this? You know, why, why do they do these other things that I can't imagine anybody would listen to? And then I, I, then I, and I, and I knew I could actually kind of do that kind of stuff. And then I, I start. that's when my confidence started coming in. I remember just in the Ogilvy on advertising book, um, he says, you know, pick someone you like. Pick a writer, a designer, or an art director, or whatever, and try to do what they do. So I, I picked Mark Fenske. I became aware of the Fallons and the Widens and the Goodbees um, and a bunch of other places and trying, in Cliff Freeman, you know, and trying to get there. And trying to write stuff that would get me there. And it took me maybe five years to get that good to finally get to Goodby. Isn't that sad? You get paid to do something and at the end of the day, like, how'd you do? Well, I did fine. It's just fine. It's fine. It's okay. You know, I'd rather yes. have, I'd rather have, that is horrible than, yeah, it's okay. Go to the, at least go to one extreme. Yeah. I, I did a, I did a Super Bowl spot for E-Trade a long time ago. And the CEO of E-Trade said to us, he's like, whatever that ad meter thingy is, I want the number one ad or I want the very bottom. I don't want anything in the middle. And I remember thinking, I love you. Don't be forgettable. Because middle stuff's forget. The bad that, stuff's not forgettable. Yeah. 
Because you still talk about it later. God, that was stupid. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? Yes, I do remember oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. We all remember that. Yeah. I mean, it's the bell curve, right? You know, you have some horrible stuff. Most stuff is just bleh and forgettable. I don't. And then you have the great stuff. It's, it's always the same wherever you go. So how do you tell people that? How do you tell people they're walking in your agency, it's day one, or maybe they're interviewing and you're trying to explain this to them? And, and you're not just explaining the theory, but you're also saying this, you have to now do this. That's hard. Well, it, it's, um, it's different for, you know, whatever, you know, job they're coming in to do. If they're a creative person, um, you explain, you know, they get excited. Oh, great. Every time we're going to get, you try to do something great, you know, and then you want to explain to them that um, that's going to, that entails a lot of work. You have to, you have to, you know, you simply most of the time have to work longer than somebody else working on on the assignment to get to something great it's you have to exhaust every option and make sure you have the great one it's just hard hard work so get ready for that um you also you know you also you know it's easy there are easy filters to get closer to great you know you come in with an idea have you ever heard anyone else using that idea yes well then it's dead you know keep keep going if, you know, talking about rejection, if you are an agency that is always trying to do something great, and again, any form of great, just gorgeous design or um, something insanely smart or the funniest thing in the world, um, you are going to have a lot more rejection uh, from clients because you, you're, you're rarely going in with anything safe. So when account people come in, that's explained to them, you know, get ready to say no, you know. Not in a rude way, not in a, uh, you know, I know better than you, um, but your, our, your feedback when you're showing, trying to push people uh, into, into something that is going to be breakthrough, anything breakthrough is new, right? Anything new, they're going to get nervous, they're going to say, well, can't we do this and get ready to say no, this is, this is the right thing. Um, when you're talking to strategists or researchers, right, you know, get ready to dig a lot, you know, because great ideas come from the specifics of whatever you're talking about. You know, you're working on dish satellite, get ready to get in a van and dr drive around installing um, satellite dishes uh, with the dish people for a day or two, which we we've done. You know, just just get ready for a lot of work. Is uh, hard work underrated? People talk about it a lot. I'm not saying people don't talk about it, but is it underrated? Do people not really realize that it's actually about just working really hard i don't know if it's underrated i don't think it's talked about a lot i i think you know in advertising where you have these great quote-unquote creative shops you just think there are genius talent there's geniuses there right the light bulb goes off and oh, then they go and do it they just have these minds that just automatically no they they don't you know the, the quote-unquote geniuses that you could list right now you know i guarantee they've they've they are very good at their job and talented, but they've worked, they've, they've looked for ideas, they've worked harder, they've put more hours in to try to find a fresh idea. What worries you the most? What worries me the most, um, from my experience, being fortunate enough to get to hang around with very talented creative people, um, and, and it, we've had these, I've had these conversations, um, every new creative assignment worries me. 
every single time I start on something or the agency starts on something or it's like, I'm done. I, I'm, this is the time I'm not going to be able to do it. Every single assignment is like that. So failure? Yeah, failing. Not just failing, but having no more creative juice in your head. I, 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 Losing I, the mojo. Yeah, but I, I, that, I had that when I was in my 20s, but in, still now. Every, it's like, oh my God, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. Nothing's coming, nothing's coming, nothing's coming, nothing's coming. Work more, work more, work more. Nothing. This is it. This is the time, you know? Um, Shakespeare stopped writing at 35. He ran out of juice at 35. This is it. This is it. This is it. Um, and so far, every time, um, boom, here, there, you know, the dam breaks. It shows up. It shows up, right? It just shows up. But the fear is it's not going to show up. But that's good. It's very good. Would you be worried if you stopped feeling that fear? Yeah. If I, if I didn't care anymore, then it would be over. And that's a wrap for today's show. Thank you for listening. Our producer is Aditi Sangal. If you like our show, please subscribe. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. While you're there, please rate us. Leave us a five-star review. I'm Shereen Patek. We'll see you next week.